Hey, what's up, everybody? We're here for another episode of Turnbase, the RPG podcast at thecoalition.com. I am David Jagno, Senior Editor of The Coalition, and this is episode 26. And I'm joined here with some special guests, but also my usual co-host. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, what's up? This is Gary Swaby, the show producer. Good to be back on another episode. Yeah, it's good. You and I have been on every single one so far, so it's exciting. Uh, we've had a lot of guests recently, which is cool. I'm glad we're doing that more. But uh, this time we do have, instead of another writer or someone from another site, we actually have our first developer interview for the podcast. So why don't you guys introduce yourself? Hey guys, this is Chris Whiteman. And Amy Whiteman. We're with Tethys Interactive. We're developing Astral Terra. Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, before we get into asking you guys any really interview type questions, we'll just kind of go through the first part of our podcast like normal and just integrate you guys into it like normal guests. And so that way the listeners get to know a little bit more about you guys and you know what kind of games you play and what you're interested in and that kind of stuff. Cool, cool. All right, so first, I guess, uh, just introduce yourselves a little bit more. You know, where is Tethys Interactive founded? You know, what kind of what kind of games do you guys make? That kind of stuff. Cool, cool. Well, Tethys Interactive was uh, founded in 2011. Um, Amy and I, we were multimedia uh, interactive designers for years, uh, doing web design and uh, 3D interactive, Flash, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, we were based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, there's not a whole lot of game development companies here. So um, as we as we uh, kept developing and doing the stuff that we did with Media Outbreak, our uh, our other company, we decided that we really wanted to uh, change focus and take all of our expertise uh, in the multimedia industry and and uh, combine that with our knowledge as gamers and artists and put together Tethys Interactive to start doing uh, video game development. That's pretty cool. And, you know, that's from what I've gathered, it's a little bit different backstory than a lot of indie developers that I've heard of. You know, most of them kind of are just like, you know what, I want to make a game. And they just kind of start and they're successful or not. But I think it's cool that you guys kind of, you know, have a background in doing other stuff. So you've, you've already kind of started a business. So you kind of have a better understanding of what that entails. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and just working with different clients and interactive projects and stuff, it was, you know, it's very similar, um, uh, video game development tends to be a bit more convoluted and um, uh, tough to do, <laughs> for lack of better words, but um, but yeah, definitely got us started and on the right direction. Amy and I, we've always been in, uh, involved in the gaming community, too, so we did did a little bit of um, map making for Unreal and Wolfenstein back in the day, and just kind of playing around with different tools. Okay, awesome. And I'm kind of curious, where did the name come from? It was really just, um, we were kind of going through different things. We, we like a lot of uh, Greek and Roman uh, history and, and that kind of stuff, and we were, we were trying to come up with a name that was a little bit um, almost like uh, uh, astronomical or something. And we really okay, weren't sure yeah. which way Tethys was going at the time. So um, we, we went with Tethys, uh, which was, you know, uh, an old Greek um, titan or goddess or whatever um, of the sea. And, of course, you know, there's a, there was an ocean named for it and, and also a moon of Saturn. And we liked it, and so it stuck, and we went with it. Good, good. Yeah, it's very versatile, so that was good that you picked something like that at the start, you know, other than... You know, you could have ended up picking something like 
sci-fi interactive games and then you make a fantasy RPG and you're kind of <laughs> stuck. <laughs> ah, yeah, totally. Personally, my favorite company name that I've come across in, in uh, game development or interactive is I love the studio Madfinger. It's, they got, this got the best logo and the name of their studios is great. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I like those kind that kind of stick in your head too. I know one of them, it's a, a studio that's developing a game. They got funded on Kickstarter. It's a disaster cake. <laughs> they're making a soul saga and you know, their logo is awesome. It's like a cupcake. That's like a monster eating somebody. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> okay. So, um, our first segment that we usually go through is just kind of talking about what we've all individually been playing in uh, recent weeks. And, you know, all of us have been very busy, so there's, it's not like there's a whole lot to talk about, but, um, why don't you go ahead and go first, Gary? Yeah, me, um, I've just been playing um, Battlefield 4, because uh, I'm reviewing that at the moment, so yeah, just been playing that, it's crashing a lot at the moment, so EA and DICE need to fix that immediately. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it kind of ruins the fun a little bit, and I can't even um, complete the, the single player mode, because it just crashes every time I load out now, so I can only play multiplayer. So yeah, that's a bit annoying. Um, on the RPG side of things, I've been playing Pokemon on the 3DS. Uh, that's Pokemon Y. And um, I've been doing some online battles and stuff, but I really need to train up my Pokemon some more. It's just, um, I'm really overwhelmed because uh, there's so many new types of Pokemon that I'm unfamiliar with. So I kind of have to like teach myself everything all over again. Because it's right. been years since I played a Pokemon game. Yeah, so, yeah, I can yeah, imagine. That, that's going to take some time to get stuck into. But yeah, that's pretty much it for well, me. What's your favorite new Pokemon that you've come across? Uh, Fennekin, I guess. Which is like some... Um, it's a fire-type Pokemon, and it's like a fox. Okay, That's cool. the best way I can describe it. Is that one of the starters, or did you just find it? Yeah, it's a starter Pokemon. You can oh, okay. choose. Um, it's one of the three you can choose at the start. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, what about you guys, Chris and Amy? Are, are you huge Pokemon fans? Oh, we're not big Pokemon fans, but uh, we're with Gary with the Battlefield stuff. We we pre-ordered Battlefield 4. We love the series. Um, out of the shooters, that's definitely the one for us. We like the uh, class-based and objective-based gameplay on that, but... But yeah, there's been a lot of crashes. It's hard to play the game right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then and then uh, Amy and I, we're really into Dota, Dota 2. Uh, when we get a minute to play, that's usually what we fire up, like firing that up. And, uh, and for our RPG fix, we're playing that Neverwinter, that new Neverwinter uh, MMO. Nice, yeah. I reviewed that for Coalition. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. you know, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's kind of short. So, um, limited amount of content. PvP and that. Yeah, yeah, mostly PvP. Yeah, PvP is good. I really, really love the Foundry. Like, it, I, I love playing the Foundry missions. Some of those are really creative. Yeah, the Foundry is really, was really brilliant on their part, and I think it's what's going to help them um, extend the life of that game long after people are tired of running all the uh, built-in content. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the one thing that I didn't like about it is it's very solo friendly. 
And then all of the side stuff you can do, like the skirmishes and the dungeons and the gauntlet at the end, all that stuff is more group oriented. So I think they have a nice balance. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, um, you know, Amy and I are both kind of the type of RPGers that uh, we always look for the skip the dialogue button. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Star Wars was the first one that we actually, um, you know, the recent MMO, the Old Republic. That was the first one where we really were really entertained by the dialogue, and uh, they just had some really funny stuff in there. But um, but yeah, it's, we, we we were the ones that always skip all the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I think MMOs especially. The only game where I haven't is probably Guild Wars Two. I get I'm pretty interested in that story and i think they do a pretty good job of you know the voice acting is great there's a you know troy baker and nolan north are some of the voice actors in that game absolutely right yeah yeah it was pretty good you know and and with neverwinter they did do a really good job with the lore you know that's one thing we're really into is lore and um we read all the books uh leading up to the game launch uh since rsl oh okay yeah, so it was it was really the stories were really I mean they were, they were really excellent and then um and then to see the game come out and they had all these characters that were in the books and it was found along with the history. That was really cool. Is is you know we had our things that we didn't like about Neverwinter when we first started playing it, but um no matter what we couldn't get over that feeling of this is awesome feeling like we were playing playing like an extension of the story or the books, you know. Yeah, that's that's a really smart thing they did. And I think that, you know, a lot of D&D fans, you know, some of the people that don't really ingest all of the media that's available miss out some. Because, I mean, there's not really many series or, you know, genres that do that kind of stuff where it's a connected universe between the game, you know, the, the tabletop game, the books, the video games, the, you know, all that stuff's connected. Yeah, Absolutely. You, um, they have a hard time, you know, World of Warcraft, they've got a big lore. They've had a hard time getting some good writers to write their stories. Christy Golden, she's really good. Um, and Richard A. Nack, he, he writes some really good stuff. But, of course, they, they write for D&D, too. So um, I think they, they were smart in choosing those guys. All right, great, great. Um, for me, you know, what I've been playing... It uh, hasn't really been a whole lot. I've been trying to get through Bioshock Infinite. I still haven't finished it. Um, Grand Theft Auto V. I uh, still haven't finished a single player on that either. Uh, that's, and then on my Vita, I've been playing Kills on Mercenary. So those are really the three things I've been playing over the past couple weeks. Uh, that and, of course, last night I got sucked into Skyrim somehow. I don't know how it happened. It happened. Oh, so. it happens. <laughs> and then hours go away, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I ended up playing that in Super Hexagon last night. I finally beat my record on the first level of that game, so I was pretty excited about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it for that. Um, next, I guess we can, uh, real briefly, before we get into any more kind of more in-depth questions, uh, I'm kind of to know, like, what are your guys' favorite RPG franchises? Huh. Favorite RPG franchise. Well, on a video game, what, well, I guess what got, got us started um, playing together, 
you know, because it was like back in the old days, in the early days, this is the back of the old days. I don't want to tell you how old I am. <laughs> uh, we, you know, um, we play some console stuff. I, I always play a little bit of PC games, but uh, Amy really wasn't into the, the PC gaming as much. And it was, um, it was City of Heroes, actually, that uh, brought her in to play, the, play an RPG and check out MMOs, that kind of stuff. And uh, the whole the whole guild kind of formed around that and started playing with it. And that was really the one that kind of got it started for us, anyway. Oh, but, cool. Yeah, as far as IPs, I think we're both we're both huge fans of D and D, uh, and we really loved the uh, DDO Dungeons and Dragons Online. We thought they did it just phenomenal job, and and we just can't wait for them to make a new one. Really, uh, mo- modernize it a little bit more and. And uh, put a new one. That that was just awesome. Awesome, awesome. And just for the listeners out there, once you go ahead and answer the question too, Gary. But I think everyone already knows your answer. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Final Fantasy is my number one RPG franchise that I'm into. But um, you know, I I also love Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I mean, those are the two that come to mind initially. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as, like, tasting games go, you and I are basically twins. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, Elder Scrolls is probably my biggest one. Uh, Morrowind is what got me into PC gaming. And um, as far as MMOs go, it would be the original EverQuest really, really hooked me, and that's kind of where my interest in MMOs started. Um, as far as uh, other franchises go, um, uh, recently, Mass Effect. Uh, that's probably my favorite franchise from this generation. And, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see where they take it next. And, yeah, I really love Mass Effect. Yeah, and, you know, I have to mention Dragon Age as well. I love that. Yes, yes. I'm still working through Dragon Age. Me too. (laughs) I definitely love the game, but uh, I either run out of time or I get tired and I fall asleep while I'm playing it sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that, that's not a good sign. Yeah, it puts him to sleep. Yeah, well, uh, Amy says Amy says that happens to every game we play on the console. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of the downside. You, you can get so comfortable, you know, playing a console game. I've fallen asleep before. Yeah, she walks in and takes the controller out of my hand all the time and takes me up to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, next, I guess we'll kind of focus in on talking about your guys' game, since this is going to be kind of a special episode for us. We're not going to do a traditional episode. We have kind of a long-winded discussion about RPGs and where the genre is going. Instead, we're going to kind of focus in on uh, the game that you guys are developing, especially because it's on Kickstarter now. And uh, so before, you know, if you're, if you're listening, before you get turned off and just say, oh, I don't want to back a Kickstarter game, eh, you should probably wait and listen because this one's pretty special. It's very unique, and uh, I think it's it's going to do a lot of good things for the industry and the genre as a whole. So, uh, why don't you guys go ahead and just tell us a little bit about it? Great. Uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to do so. Um, well, Astral Terra is a procedural uh, voxel-based sandbox fantasy RPG. Uh, a, lot, a lot of words. A lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's primarily a fantasy sandbox, a uh, place for people to um, 
just kind of do what they want to do, uh, not be tied down to a rail system, uh, not have to pick a class, not have to uh, be forced into a grind or anything like that. Astral Terra is different in that way. It's, um, you get into the game and you it's all about uh, survival and crafting and uh, farming. But if you didn't want to do those things, you don't have to. And if you want to do a quest, you can. But if you don't, you don't have to, you know. If you want to just chill and, and uh, explore and look at the environment and see what's possible uh, with procedurally generated environments, then you can do that, you know. So um, that's that's kind of Astral Terror in a nutshell. We... Uh, as a kind of do-what-you-want uh, sandbox fantasy. Okay, and what kind of quests do you have, like, set out for Astral Terror at the moment? Do you have, like, a lot of them panned out already? We don't have, um, we don't have a ton of quests panned out yet for Astral Terror. We've got the system and the framework in place, and we've started to write our quests. Uh, it was always kind of a plan to have a, a over a overreaching... Um, uh, story arc that involved the player traveling to the different planes so that we'd, they would have a couple of reasons to uh, find other worlds, um, one being, you know, looking for certain uh, resources and, and that kind of stuff, but also to participate in this, in this big story. So um, it's, it's kind of it's big and small at the same time, um, just because it, it doesn't branch out into, into a bajillion different ways and uh, all these different people. It's really kind of more personal. It's, your, um, it's you trying to conquer these couple challenges that you have to do um, to, to bring everything together. It's, and there is no end game scenario uh, either, but there is a sense of accomplishment that you'll that you'll receive once you finish that that main story. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of. I don't want to say straddling the line, but offering something to all types of players. I think there's a key distinction between those two things. You know, instead of being a muddled mixture of a bunch of different stuff, you're you know you're focusing in on the sandbox aspect, no doubt, but you're also giving other things for people to do, which I think is it's pretty good. I mean, that. For me personally, that's what turns me off of games like Minecraft and Terraria. Like, I love the ideas, but it's hard for me to really get invested in a game if it's entirely just up to me to give myself something to do. Because I'm pretty much an ADD gamer, you know. I, I jump from game to game, and I never stay focused. So I need something to pull me in, and I think that's how a lot of people are. Yeah, and your game seems good because um, it will give you that sense of accomplishment you know, like every time, like you, you actually accomplish something while you played on this day, sort of thing, instead of you know taking too long to build up towards that sense of accomplishment. So that's what I like about it. Absolutely. Well, um, well, good, good. And you know, um, the quest and that this whole quest system, it it still is really in its infancy too. So that's kind of one of the um, beautiful things about. Um, you know, doing, uh, creating a game in the way that we are doing it. Uh, going to Kickstarter once the framework, the prototype's done. Uh, we're in pre-alpha phase. And now we're at that phase where we want the input. You know, we want to hear what, what people like. And um, we felt the very same way, actually. Uh, like, Minecraft was so beautiful in that way that you could just kind of do what you wanted. But the, um, we always felt like there wasn't enough to do 
Um, but of course, we played there in, the, in the early days as well. But uh, we always wanted that like that epic feeling, like oh, I'm going to do something else besides make my next tower, you know, um, or find my next diamond stash. And uh, so that's definitely something we we want to we want to fix that problem with our game so that you have that that fun sandbox, but you can find purpose too. Yeah, and I think one key point of distinction as well is that um, in Astral Terra, you're going to be able to pretty much on the fly edit the environment. Isn't that right? I mean, as far as basic materials go and terraforming and that kind of stuff, you know, you can just pull up the editor and, you know, make make a castle. Pull up the editor and just, you know, make a new cave or completely change the world. That's right. We've done a hybrid system. Um so we haven't gone, uh, it's similar to Minecraft's creative mode as far as when it comes to creation. All your voxel tools are free. Um, it's part of the lore, it's part of the power of your character, of uh, being uh, somebody from the Fae, as you can um, just uh, terraform and that kind of stuff at, at, at will. So we wanted to um, get past that, like, oh, I need, you know, 300... <sighs> stone blocks and then I got to refine them and then I got to, you know, wait for the cooker and all this other stuff. We really want to just boom, go, you know, um, start, just start shaping your world because that's really what, as far as people who have played the game so far, that's really been the strength. Uh, our strength is that the smooth box world, it's butter smooth and um, anytime people are with us and we show it off live and once they see the ground starting to flow, you just you get that little bit of a ooh sensation, you know, it, and it feels great when you're doing it. You're just doing cool stuff. But, um, yeah, definitely. So we try to do that, like, almost like the creative mode of Minecraft there, but then we're still, there's still all the regular limitations. You know, if you wanted to put together, um, like, a castle keep out of more detailed prefab pieces, that was, that'd be something you would actually have to farm out uh, your resources for and get a blueprint for and then um and then build it so okay so um the game's been up on kickstarter for around five days now five six days so how do you feel the campaign is going at the moment the campaign is uh is going good i mean in regards to just it's working <laughs> and we've gotten uh, a ton of feedback already even even though we only have 175 backers um, between the, as many people have seen the project on Facebook and uh, Kickstarter and on Steam and IndieDB as well, uh, the feedback just keeps pouring in. I mean, and there's the random uh, websites, uh, Cube World and um, and a couple others right now where there's a couple threads going and people are giving uh, giving input and that kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's good. I mean, even though we're not. Um, you know, we're, we haven't been that breakout company where it's like, oh, goodness, you know, can you believe how many people are? It's, it's 10 people every every minute <laughs> type of thing. Um, it's steady. It's really steady. And what's more important or just as important is all the feedback and the validation that we get. So we know we're we're on the right track. We, we got some things that we'll probably have to change and extend with the system. But um, in regards to that, it's just been invaluable hearing hearing from people. Yeah, definitely. I see a lot of comments on there, and that's always good to see that, you know, so many people are actually genuinely interested in the game. 
Um, and you're also on Steam Greenlight as well. So how do you think that's going? And has the feedback been like any different over there compared to Kickstarter? Uh, Steam Greenlight has been awesome. I mean, it was uh, it's just amazing the exposure at Steam, how quickly um, a project is seen and people get voting on it. And uh, it's just, we, we made leaps and bounds. I mean, within the first week, just thousands upon thousands of views and yes votes. And that has been really encouraging, too. You know, when you get the epic um, thumbs up, when people paste that big thumbs up, you know, Valve, add this, please. I love seeing that because I see that on, on cool stuff that I vote for. But uh, when people do it on my, our game now, we're it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's something that a lot of people don't think about is that indie developers, you know, before they were indie developers, they were gamers, you know. And so you guys have been part of the community for years and you voted on Greenlight, you backed games on Kickstarter, you know, you've been part of the very thing that you're now looking to for support. And so it's it'd be kind of cool to be in a situation where, you know, you go on forums and you see people posting those like funny gifts of their, you know, showing their support or like you said, the little Unicode formation of a thumbs up in the giant comment section. And, you know, that kind of stuff, you whenever you're just a viewer, you see it and you're like, oh, ha ha. But I don't think people realize how much that means to the developers when they see that kind of excitement. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially when you're sitting, um, you know, when you're developing, uh, it, it kind of um, in a void. You know, nobody. We were starting to spread the project probably about four months ago. Once we had the engine up and running, and and we could we could do some stuff. And we've slowly been adding more and more to the presence online and stuff. But really, it still was was fairly quiet, and we hadn't hadn't really heard anything yet. Um, and then when you go to and then you go Kickstarter and Steam and and uh, you know hundreds of comments are are popping up and uh, yeah it's 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 amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, we're gonna, we're definitely going to put the links to both of those uh, pages down in the context of the article. Um, but just uh, since we're recording right now and I have the Steam page open, just to read a couple. Uh, seven minutes ago from right now, someone commented. You know, wow, one of the first voxel-based games that actually looks like a current-day game. I could care less about graphics, but people should at least try. Looks fun, I'd play it. You know, two hours ago, not many RPGs on OS or Linux. Also, there aren't many sandbox RPGs that I would love to have one see success in the same amount as others, you know. And, you know, I'm looking right now and just going through the comments, and there's already 12 pages of comments that are almost all positive. Yeah, it's it's uh, humbling, you know. You start seeing that stuff, and but it, like I said earlier too, it's it's a little bit of validation, letting us know too that hey, we're we are on the right track. So um, it's good to know that, and and uh, it's good to know that you know we have a good reason to continue to do what we're doing here with this game. You know, finally getting that feedback. All right, so. Um what other features do you have, um, like, planned to add into the game, you know, as time progresses and, you know, as the campaigns start to become more successful and stuff? Do you have, like, a list of features that you're working on implementing already? Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the stuff we haven't really talked about on Kickstarter yet. Um, definitely we're looking at uh, a way to... Uh, build in some kind of 
um, dynamic quest system where it might be possible for a player to um, create their own their own quest system, and then those those things procedurally happen in the world. Uh, it's it's definitely something that's new uh, to us, but it's it's come up numerous times now. And and uh, as you mentioned before, with Foundry and Neverwinter, it's one of those things that can really extend the life of the game, um, but also it, um, extend like the community because people uh, see that that might not have been interested in the game before, but um, but are interested now because they are creative individuals. So. Um, that's something we really want to look into, but again, it's it's new and, and we're not quite sure how how we're going to achieve that yet. So um, um, uh, that also goes in line with the Steam uh, the Steam Workshop stuff we've been talking about, which is is something we oh, yeah. do have uh, we have been researching and are are working towards, um, and we'll be we'll be adding it to our. Um, to our list of stuff uh, of future of future updates, but uh, we want to we want to have a way for our people in the Steam community. They're so creative, and you see all the great things showing up on Steam Workshop. And um, so it, again, it's a great way to just extend the game and and give the community a way to uh, have their own hand in it and bring their own um, designs to life. So. We definitely want to work on getting that that integration worked out for uh, certain things in the world, ha- uh, housing and structures and that kind of stuff. And, and as we extend the character customization uh, system, we'll, we'll be looking into options on how to uh, bring that into that as well. Yeah, that sounds awesome, especially mentioning Steam Workshop, because as I said earlier, you know, I was playing Skyrim. And the reason why I keep coming back to that game I mean, first of all, you know, Elder Scrolls games always keep you coming back because they're so fun to just play over and over. But even more than that, you know, since I played on PC, there are just so many mods on the Steam Workshop. It's ridiculous. I mean, just yesterday alone, I found, I mean, I downloaded almost a dozen new mods just because whenever I go to the workshop for Skyrim, I can't help but just start downloading stuff. I mean, it's impossible. I I spend more time browsing for mods than I do playing the game. Absolutely. We we still check, like, you know, um, when we remember, maybe every other month to see if, if anybody's made any progress on a uh, multiplayer. So, you know, Amy and I can play together. Cause we both like Skyrim as well, but we don't really play it because it's a single-player game, and when we have game time, we want to spend it together, you know? Well, speaking of that, are you guys interested in playing the Elder Scrolls online? Because I've played that a few times at some conventions, and Gary played it at E3. So is that something you guys are interested in? Oh, absolutely. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're, you know, as you said earlier, we're developers who are gamers, and we we're in line for the games just like anybody else is. We're we're trying to get, um, you know, we want to get that. We want to get Elder Scrolls Online. That Wild Star looks pretty neat. Uh, we've been looking into that. I like their art style, and um, those those are the, those are the two big ones I think we've been that's yeah. been on the horizon for us that we've been looking at. Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, what inspirations do you guys have, you know, um, for, I mean, not just for, you know, Astral Terror itself, but, you know, as a developer in general, like, what are your inspirations? Uh, well, uh, we both, you know, Amy and I were, uh, children of the 80s, you know, we're in our mid-30s, so we grew up, um, during the heyday of just 
all the really cool stuff. Um, your Transformers, G.I. Joe, and He-Man, and um, everything that happened during that time. And uh, in, in moving forward, you know, when we were teenagers, we were into the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, you know. People see in my video, uh, a lot of people think that I'm like this, you know, I look like this metal dude, but really inside we're both just like the nerdy types, you know, because <laughs> we like, we like, uh, you know, we got the bookshelves full of uh, the Dungeons and Dragons source books and the novels and all that stuff, and we just love the artwork and. Yeah, a lot of collectibles and art books, you know, that kind of. Toys, all that stuff. So, yeah, we've been influenced heavily heavily by, you know, all that fun stuff that came out of the 80s and the 90s and fantasy in general, you know, the movies, legend, and um, all the neat stuff. And, and as game developers, you know, we look for, we try to look for something, um, that thing that's missing, you know. That was why we wanted yeah. to make Astral Terra, was because it was like Minecraft was cool, but um, there were things as for us that was missing that really couldn't it couldn't, couldn't keep us. And it was the same with Terraria. It was really fun for like a month, you know. Um, but eventually, it, it just we still felt like we wanted to be in a like kind of a high fidelity 3D 3D world and stuff. Um, and we've we've just always been like that. I'm, for some reason, we're always looking for that thing that doesn't exist, unfortunately. So. Uh, so we're like, well, let's make it, but on a minor, kind of smaller, smaller form, you know? Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, I feel like in a way we're almost kindred spirits. I'm sitting here on my Metallica t-shirt with an Art of Neverwinter book on my desk. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're all nerds over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, can you tell us a little bit about your personal backgrounds? Oh, yeah, definitely. Sure, sure, man. Um, well, uh, Amy, she's, uh, she uh, studied uh, com- computer, what was it? Co- computer information Computer information system. Even <laughs> 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 now. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more technical stuff than I did. <laughs> that, and then I also went for project management, so um, I, I have degrees in both of those, but... Yeah, and we're both big, big, uh, big pet, you know, animal, animal lovers and stuff. We try to get involved with whatever groups we can locally. And we have three dogs here in the house right now. They're luckily they're being quiet while we're doing this. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my background is in, in animation. Um, you know, again, growing up, child of the '80s, big Star Wars fan. That's that's my big, big thing. Star Wars, right? I mean, who, who isn't a Star Wars fan? I guess, but. But uh, just always, always was influenced by that stuff. So uh, I got started in 3D animation um, uh, early, well, late 90s, I guess, and um, finished in 2000 with my first degree. But um, and then just kept, you know, working in the industry, doing stuff, and then went back to study game development because we we had made that decision with Media Outbreak that we needed to we need to move in other directions, and uh, so that's why we started going to that. But again, we were always gamers, always, always hobbyists, you know, open up the hammer editor and playing around and, you know, the uh, Unreal Development Kit and, and um, you know, big Wolfenstein fans just play around with that GTK Radiant and all that fun stuff, you know. So, yeah, we definitely come from, from, from a heavy, heavy, heavy gamer background. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool, too, that, you know, 
for your generation, you, you know, you talk about all the stuff that you grew up with. And uh, it's interesting because now we're getting to the point where all of that stuff is kind of coming back around. You know, so you have all the new Transformers movies, you have the new Star Wars movies, and now a new trilogy that's about to come out. You know, D&D's, you know, even bigger now. You have uh, all that kind of stuff that you guys grew up with is now starting to reemerge. So I know, that, it's that beautiful. Be cool. Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, one quick other question I had, I was, you know, looking at the Kickstarter page and some other people, you know, might wonder this if they uh, read it, read it all. It's a lot of content on there because you guys, you know, went into a lot of detail, which is good. But, uh, you know, I saw that you mentioned some other, uh, some people on the team have experience, you know, with other games, uh, you know, like at Ultima Online, someone worked on that. Could you, you know, kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, in fact, I'm really glad you asked that because and gave you an opportunity to to mention uh, Constantine. Yeah, he worked um, on, on a number of different things with Ultima Online and the, um, the housing system and doing some player community stuff. Um, but he's also built our, our RPG framework and uh, is working on new stuff, in fact, right now for us. And he built the housing system. He's working on the housing system right now. Astral Terra, where we can um, it, right now, as it stands, uh, mobs can destroy your houses, <laughs> and uh, so you you know you spend the time building them, get this get this nice house laid down, and mobs come along and destroy it, and that's something that he's been working on. We're we're trying to build that up, but um, he's so yeah, he he's done a lot of work on on RPGs and um, stuff in the community, and we're just so so lucky to have him uh, working with us right now. And um, and then our, our terrain programmer, he's also worked uh, on this uh, chatty MMO, a couple different um, mobile titles and, and this kind of stuff. And so he's got a lot of experience as well uh, with, in RPGs and uh, actually bigger projects than, than what we're doing. But uh, so our team is definitely um, diverse. Uh, individuals are concept artists. You know, he works for a couple different game studios. He contracts and and does some neat stuff. Our modeler, uh, same thing, because that's the way it is. You know, indie studio here in the Midwest, it, there's it's hard to get full time work um, if you if you do this kind of stuff. So um, a lot of people, you know, are contracting and working for a couple couple studios. Hey, that's great though. I mean, that's that's what you need to do to in order to be successful and. I think um, anyone that looks at the Kickstarter page, you know, just quick shout out specifically to your concept artist because, man, that the stuff is beautiful. You know, yeah, Jason Roll, he's he's awesome. We, I just love his artwork. I, um, our our three D modeler actually, our character artist, he uh, referred Jason Roll to us and um, Caleb and and. When we went to his Deviant page, we just immediately fell in love with his work. It was just so beautiful, and um, and it was right what we were looking for. You know, it was. I felt like he would had already been painting our concept paintings before he did our <laughs> stuff, <laughs> just with his personal work. So, and and he's by the way, he's also another huge RPG fan. That's all he plays. Grew up with Dungeons and Dragons as well. So. Um, yeah, so, again, he's one of those people that we're just so lucky to have. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the stuff, it's... I mean, for, for, the first thing I noticed is that, um, you know, whenever I first found the game and I was looking at it, 
Um, I noticed the concept art first. It looked beautiful. But then I realized, you know, it was an indie game, and I was thinking, oh, you know, if this is the concept art, I'm sure the game doesn't look anything like this. But it actually does. Like, you know, the game, you did a very good job of recreating that in the in-game engine, and it's it's impressive. I haven't, you know, looking at the Steam page, the Kickstarter page, you know, my personal friends, anyone I talk to, if whenever they see the game, they find it hard to believe it's made by a team of, you know, less than a dozen people. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciated. Much much gratitude for that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, do, do you guys have any questions for us before we wrap things up? No, not really. Um, I think it's, uh, we really, you know, we really appreciate you guys giving the opportunity for us to come on, uh, to come on here today and, and talk to you guys about this stuff. It was really fun, uh, you know, just um, talking about the different RPGs and stuff like that. Cause we always love to talk shop about games in general anyways, it's for gamers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I have no doubt that you guys are going to have many more uh, podcast appearances and interviews and features on Insights. So, you know, hopefully this is just the, it's a very small, humble beginning of what's to come because I, I, I truly believe that Astral Terra is going to be pretty successful. I appreciate it. Congratulations for developing such a great game. Like, it looks great. And I wish you much success with the campaigns. Awesome. Well, we'll be getting you guys some press builds here uh, as soon as we can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting that you bring that up because not many, um, I don't really know of many Kickstarter games that have, you know, playable builds for press, really. It seems like most of the time they're in concept stages still. So it's, it's a pretty good testament to you guys that the game's already, you know, it's pretty playable. Yeah. um, Well, thanks. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, part of it is a security issue for sure. Um, especially with the Unity game engine, uh, there's people out there who know how to do, you know, grab a web build and, and, um, and, and hack it and look at your source. So, um, it's a little bit different, you know, right now we're at that phase where we'd rather have, um, give the press, you know, certain individuals and, and people who are doing the podcast like you guys an opportunity to take a first look at it and get your hands on it first um, before you know before we start putting it out there for the public to, to do anything with it. Yep, yep, definitely. All right, well, uh, thank you guys for being on the podcast. It was fun uh, kind of shaking things up a little bit. This is really the first episode where we've done anything um, different like this. Usually we just kind of ramble about, you know, RPGs and uh, People probably don't even listen to the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank thank you guys. We, well, we thank appreciate you it. very much. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was great meeting you guys. Um, but yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up episode twenty six. Uh, make sure you check down below uh, or above. I'm not sure where we're going to place the actual player, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh, look in the article, and we'll have uh, links to the Kickstarter, to the Steam Greenlight page, uh, to their website. Uh, their Twitter, all that kind of stuff, so you guys can stay involved and keep up with the game. Uh, it's looking very good. It's uh, been on Kickstarter less than a week, so it's uh, still in the early stages, over a month to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's looking good, but they're going to need your support. So uh, check the game out and comment down below and let us know what you think. All right, well, take care. <laughs>